table uh, uh, form out in on the table out there if you want to bring some stuff I think we uh, there's a few people signed up but we could use some more uh, desserts and uh, <laughs> lettuce tomato pickles all the fixings for the hamburgers hot dogs and desserts and so uh, be sure and go by there and sign up to bring something and come out tonight um, I just want to throw this out there a couple things um, obviously our heart to heart and our, our men's uh, breakfast is coming up in a couple weeks um, be sure and make sure you got those on your calendar to be here for those but love Lone Grove Day is coming up it's about a month away and so it's a lot of exciting things are happening there a lot of great things that we do during that uh, including our, our free yard sale and so we're taking donations we've got a room that's about I don't know a quarter to a third the way full back there uh, of donations that have been brought in but um, clean your house out bring your donations uh, we don't necessarily want your junk but if you're not using it someone else might be able to and so uh, I told Jill this morning I said I'm gonna have to clean out my wardrobe most of my clothes are too small I think they're we need a new dryer because ours is shrinking everything but but I noticed Jill was cleaning out her closet and pulling out some things to bring up here. So uh, we're excited about that. And that does help a lot of people. And I didn't say it's because they're too small. I just said you were cleaning out your closet. All right. So, uh, but if you want to bring those during the week, uh, let us know. We'll make sure that we can get, get you in the door to take them in there and help you carry them in there as well. I also saw a bunch of back-to-school supplies. Uh, we do give away free backpacks and back-to-school supplies. And I know there's some of the ladies have been buying those and getting prepared for that. Uh, I don't know how many backpacks we'll have this year. I don't know if anybody's here that knows the amount. But I know it's a lot. Um, I think it's usually a couple hundred, if not more. And so we're excited about that to be able to help students as they go back to school and, and give them supplies. I, we... We have five kids, and although we only have three still in school right now, uh, when we had all five and we had to buy you know, school supplies for all five of them, that's a lot of stuff, and that's a lot of money. And so it's really beneficial to be able to help families with that. Um, also want to mention our youth mission trip is coming up. It's two weeks from today we leave to go to Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And we're going to the Great Passion Play, and the, the students get to work during the week at the Great Passion Play doing different things and projects that they have uh, for us to do. And then on uh, Tuesday night, we get to watch the Passion Play and participate in the, the other things that they have there, the museum and the little shows that they do. And then on Friday night, our students will get to be in the Passion Play. They'll actually get to be characters in it. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what all roles they'll be able to do, but but they'll be able to be up there on the, on the I guess, not, I don't know if it's a stage or just the hillside, I don't know what you'd call it, but up there uh, as a part of the Passion Plan. I believe it's something that they'll never forget as they have an opportunity to share the message of Jesus with thousands of people. And so uh, be, be in prayer uh, for us and for our students as we go do that. It is the middle of July and it's going to be hot and, and I, I, I keep, they keep saying, but it's up in the mountains. And I'm like, I've been in the mountains. It just makes it more humid up there. It's not, doesn't make it any cooler. But uh, so be praying as, as we go and do that, that, that they'll have a great time, but also that they'll bring something back from that. I know it's not a camp service. They're actually working, and, but they're ministering, uh, but that they'll see people respond and their lives change through what they're doing. And so uh, that's our purpose in doing that. So be in prayer uh, the next couple weeks as we prepare and as we go for that. And I know some of the adults are planning on going up on that Friday night when, they're, when the kids get to be in it to see, see their students be in it. So uh, it's an exciting thing. And so that's, that's just what's coming up. Get a bulletin. Uh, there's some more things coming up this month. Just be aware of. Make sure you stick it on your fridge or, or your mirror or your calendar, wherever you put it, so that you keep up with everything going on here. There's a lot of exciting things happening here at Lone Grove Assembly. We want you to be a part of it. So um, 
I'll tell you what, this morning, let's take up offering is another exciting thing that we get to do. Uh, we get to give to the Lord of what he's given to us. The Lord has blessed us and we want to give back to him. Uh, matter of fact, he asks us to. He says, if you'll give back to me, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. I don't know about you, but I, I, I've got, I could, I could use some those giant blessings. Amen. I said, I could use some giant blessings from the Lord. Amen. Amen. If you'll stand with us this morning, we're going to pray over the offering and then uh, uh, we're going to worship the Lord this morning. Um, let's just pray. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for the privilege, Lord, to be able to be able to give back to you, Lord, just a small portion of the blessings that you've given to me, Lord. I pray as, as we give this morning our tithes and offering that you would bless it, Lord. You'd multiply it, God, and return it back to you and use it to further your kingdom, Lord, to spread your gospel around the world. Lord, we love you this morning. We praise you and we give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sing that again. 
chains will fall, prisons shake at the sound of Jesus' name. Lives made whole, hearts awake at the sound of Jesus' name. a new kind of freedom in our hearts and our minds this morning. Washed by 
this morning. Lord, while y'all are all standing, we're going to sing this one last time. You can't hardly have the 4th of July or sing about freedom without singing of the glory of his holy name.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That song says, His truth is marching on. How many of you know that the truth will set you free? How many of you have been set free from sin today? Amen. How many of you have been set free from sickness? How many of you have been set free from depression? How many of you are set free today because of the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God? Can we take just a moment just worship Him this morning? Can we just thank Him for that freedom? We have freedom as a country, but we have freedom as Christians, freedom as believers because Jesus died and He gave us that freedom. Can we, can we take just another second, another one minute and worship Him this morning? Father, we love You. Jesus, we love You this morning because of the freedom, because Your truth has set us free, because You have set us free this morning. We are free in what the Son has set free is free indeed, and we worship You this morning. We glorify You this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, God. We glorify you, God. We exalt you this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, this morning, while the band's still up here, if you're here this morning and, and, and you've got a need, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's a financial need, maybe it's a family need, maybe it's someone in your family, if you just step out in the aisle nearest to you there, I think I feel like we just need to pray over needs this morning. I feel like there's some chains that need to be broke this morning so we can be free. If you're here this morning, you have a need, whatever it is. It may be, it may be a toe ache this morning, but you know what? My father loves me so much that he's concerned if my toe is hurting. And we think it's something small. But if that's you, if you just step out now, and if, if someone's stepping out near you, just why don't you reach over and put a hand on them? And we're just going to lift them up before the, the throne room of heaven this morning because I believe God still heals. I believe God's still on the throne this morning. Amen. Let's, let's pray for those. Father, you see those that have stepped out this morning. God, you know the need. God, I don't know it. I don't have to know it. I don't need to know it. But God, you know each and every need and every problem and every situation, God. And right now, I pray that you begin to move in a mighty way. God, I pray you begin to heal. I pray you begin to deliver. God, I pray you begin to set free those that are bound by these things, Father. In the name of Jesus. We stand on your promises right now that says by your stripes we're healed. God, we are set free. We're delivered by the blood of Jesus right now. We claim that. And we love you, God, because we know you're a faithful God to meet our needs. And you meet them according to your riches and glory, according to your supplies, not ours, Father. And we praise you right now. We glorify you right now. Hallelujah. God, we give you the glory for your truth is marching on this morning. We praise you. We exalt you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 God, we glorify you this morning. God, we exalt you this morning because you're worthy of our praise, God. You're worthy of our exaltation. You're worthy of the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Those that are through praying as you find your seat, why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be here this morning, this Independence Day weekend. I know that technically the, the fourth is not till tomorrow, and so it's not technically Independence Day yet. But you know what? That doesn't mean we can't celebrate it. Doesn't mean we can't begin by uh, declaring our freedom and, and, and celebrating that. We, we went to fireworks on Friday night 
And I thought that was odd that that uh, we went to the, we go to the city Purcell. They have them at their lake, and and uh, uh, Jill's family's there. And so we go up there and we watch them. And I thought it was odd they did it on Friday night because uh, you know Independence Day is not till Monday. I thought why didn't they do it on Saturday? Uh, but they started early. And so uh, we, we've already began our celebrations. And yesterday, we, we, Ethan and I, we, we like to get our smoker out and smoke. We smoked some ribs yesterday. And, and uh, so we, we smoked ribs and ate a bunch of ribs. I told Jill she could have one because that's all Adam gave Eve. But she took more than that, but that's okay. She thought I meant one rack. Or, no, I'm just kidding. But that's all right. So however you celebrate, uh, celebrate your freedom this weekend. Celebrate those that gave their lives uh, for our freedom. And I'm so thankful for, for those that, you know, we, we, we celebrate Veterans Day and Memorial Day. But I'm so thankful for our freedom and our independence that we can, you know, if it wasn't for those who decided one day, we're tired of what's happening. We're tired of, 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 of what we're having to be under the tyranny and, and, and the oppression. And they said, we want to be able to, to worship our God how we want to worship our God, how God has asked us and demanded us. We throughout history how that somebody or some group of somebodies has stood up and said we don't believe this is biblically correct we want to worship according to what the word says all throughout history not just American history and they've stood up and because of that we're able to sit here today in a beautiful air-conditioned sanctuary and listen to a wonderful worship band proclaim worship and praise and ex exaltations to our Lord and I'm so thankful for that today I'm so thankful that I'm an American I'm so thankful that I live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Amen. I expect y'all get up and start shouting during that. And I'm, I'm just kidding. But uh, we, we, obviously, I need to let you know this. I'm not Pastor Gary. Some of you are sitting there looking at me going, boy, he's put on some weight. And gained some hair. But they're on vacation. They, they've, they've taken some time to go on vacation, and I, I don't know exactly where all they're going. We was on vacation, and we got back, and he left, so we haven't really had time to sit down and, and talk about our vacations. But I know they went to see the grandbaby. As, as you can imagine, Sister Vonda doesn't go very long without seeing the grandbaby. So, uh, but I know they're, they're out there somewhere, so be, keep them in your prayers as they're traveling and, and, uh, and, and having a time of relaxation. I hope they find a cooler place than, than Lone Grove because it is really hot here. We went on vacation. We went to the Grand Canyon, and we went through. I, I said we took a tour of the Southwest. We did more driving than anything, but we went all through New Mexico and Arizona and, and the Panhandle of Texas, and we, we explored a lot and did a lot of stuff, and it was about 75-degree average temperature, about 75 degrees on our trip. And I said, I don't want to go back to southern Oklahoma because we got back. I mean, and, and the humidity was, you know, 10 12% out there. We get back here, the humidity is 150%. And the temperature's higher than that. And so, but, uh, but we're glad to be back. We enjoy our, our time away, but we also, uh, we love being here. And this is, a, this is a great place. Oklahoma's the greatest state in the nation, I believe. I didn't get any booze, so. It may be beautiful out there in the desert, beautiful out there at the Grand Canyon and Sedona and those places. Some of you have been out there, but there's no place like home. There's no bed like my bed. There's no shower like my shower. I'm telling you, it may not be the best, but it's mine. And 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 uh, we we I'll, I'm already here, so I'll just say it. We were we traveled. We tried to get hotels with large beds, and we got stuck. We stayed at an Airbnb, and we thought it would have a king size bed. It had a full size bed. 
I'm a full-size person myself. So I don't know how much of Jill was actually on the bed that week because I took up most of it myself. And so, you know, when you get home and you got your own bed and it's got that little hollow spot where you used to laying in it, wallered out and everything, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Something about it. So, but we're glad to be back. I know Pastor will be glad when he gets back and he'll be rested and, and uh, ready to move forward. So. Um, this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about freedom, about guarding your freedom. Listen, we celebrate Independence Day. Tomorrow, we're going to celebrate the day that they wrote down and said, we are no longer sovereign to, or we're no longer part of a sovereign uh, country. We're no longer part of the, what, what's, you know, y'all know the words. Um, we are our own country now. I didn't make those notes. We are our own country. We're separate from England. We're separate from King George and the rest of it. We said, we are going to be our own nation now. And they said, we're going to set this down. And they fought a war to accomplish this. And they gave their lives. And, and we celebrate that this weekend. It's, we do it once a year. And I think we should, we should always do that. Because if not for that, like I said, we may not be able to sit here in a church. There's many countries out there that, that many of your ancestors came to America from that don't have the freedoms to come and assemble together and study the Word of God. And I'm thankful for that. And we should be thankful for that. And so we're all thankful that we celebrate freedom. We thank God for freedom. And I want to tell you this morning, I'm proud to be an American. I've not been outside the United States. I can't say what it's like out there, but I've been here and I know what it's like here. And I've been all over the United States and I'm proud to be an American. And, and uh, from all of those that have been outside the United States, they come back and they say, I'm so glad that I was raised in America. I'm so glad that I was born in America. I'm so glad I've got that on my card. There's a lot of people say, I'll leave the United States, but they'll come back because there's no country like the United States of America. And I thank God for that. Listen, I've been to the grave of my sixth great granddad sixth great-grandfather, if I'm saying that right. I've been to his grave and I've looked at it and I have a picture of it. This man fought in the Revolutionary War. And I'm proud to be able to go back and look at that and say, trace my heritage back to him and I've seen his grave. I've stood where he's buried, what's left of him is buried. And it's an awesome experience to stand there and look at that and think, wow, that was my family back then that was fighting to make America free, fighting to make, I'm proud of that heritage. I'm proud of my heritage as an American. I'm proud to know stories that my dad has researched and, and that he's passed on to me of my ancestors in America. There was one, one of my ancestors, uh, his name was Garrett Igo, and he had a suit of armor, a, a real suit of armor. And he was a pioneer in America back in, I think, the late 1700s, maybe early 1800s. And he, was, he went out west, and, 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 and uh, the, the natives attacked him. And so he put on that suit of armor, and their arrows and all the stuff they threw at him bounced off. And it amazed them. They captured him, took him to their chief. And their chief wanted to wear that suit of armor. They couldn't figure out how this man was surviving. And, and the story is that as the chief pulled down the helmet, his head was a little bit too big and it scraped the side of his head. And so they declared this, this relative of mine a god because he could wear this suit of armor that, that their arrows couldn't penetrate. And it's just a funny story. And it's probably been embellished a lot. You know how those stories go. I'm sure it wasn't exactly that way. But it's just one, and I'm proud to have that heritage. I'm proud to be able to stand here and say, yes, I, I, I've got, I can pinpoint places where my relatives were, the wars that they fought, even the Revolutionary War. It's an awesome thing for me to be able to stand here and do it. And I know you guys have stories too. And, and maybe some of you were there at the Revolutionary War. Maybe not quite that far back, but, 
but you guys have granddads and great granddads and, and so on that, that you've heard stories of. And, and that's a great, that's a great heritage. It's a great ancestry. It's a great privilege to be able to know those stories. And, and we try to write them down. My dad has written them down, which my dad's passed on now. And I'm glad that he wrote them down. So we'll have them. And so it's, it's great to have that. But I want to tell you something else this morning. I'm proud to be an American, but I'm also proud to be a Christian. I'm proud to be a born again believer. There's something about being an American, but there's something more special about being uh, called a child of God, being called a son of God, being joint heirs with Jesus. I've got a, I, I can look back and I can see what's happened in the past, but I can look at the future and I can say, no matter what happens to America, no matter what happens on earth, there's a home for me being built in heaven right now. And I'm proud of that. Listen, I'm proud of my heritage as a Christian as well. I'm proud to stand here today and say I'm a third generation Assembly of God preacher. I love that. And I love the fact that I can proclaim that and that I've got a card that shows it. And I've, not only was I, but my mother and my grandfather were all Assembly of God preachers. And beyond that, I don't know. But I'm also proud that I have some Bibles and some prayer books that date back to the late 1800s of my families. Now, I'm not saying they were all great Christians, but I know they had a Bible and in that Bible they had their name or it was on the front of it and it has the date. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be able to stand here and say I grew up in a Christian home. And I'm not putting that over anyone that didn't grow up in a Christian home. But by the grace of God, you're here today. Maybe you've never been in church, but by the grace of God, you're here today to hear the message of Jesus Christ. To hear the message of freedom. And I thank God for freedom as an American, but I also thank God for freedom as a born-again believer. It's one thing to be able to stand in this church, but even if I didn't have a church to stand in, even if I was in a country like China who's communist and who cannot have a church, they cannot own a Bible, I thank God that I have the choice to be able to do that because Jesus died on a cross, that even though my president or my government may not allow it, I can stand up and proclaim Jesus. That's a right and it's a privilege. And that's a freedom that's given to us by Jesus Christ. I, 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 I share the story of a missionary that came and, and he said that in this, this one village he went to, they had one Bible for the entire village. There's a couple hundred people. And so they took that Bible and they cut it into sections and they would give it out. And every couple of weeks they would bring their section back and trade it for another. And they would memorize that section. It was just maybe not even a whole book or two. I remember he said this one kid was so excited when he finally got the second half of Daniel so he could find out what happened. And we laugh at that and we, we think, wow, that's crazy, but it's true. I mean, we, we hear Bible stories and hear them right and left, but we have a freedom as an American, but we have freedom as Christians as well. How many of this morning are thankful that you have been set free from sin? Amen. How many of you have been set free? You're thankful to be set free from depression. I'm telling you, there's times in my life I can look back at and I can only say by the grace of God that I make it through that time. How many of you are glad to be set free from sickness, set free from cancer? Man, I love it when someone stands up and said, I had cancer, but I don't anymore because I know a God that's greater than cancer. God speaks and cancer obeys. How many of you are glad to be set free from poverty? You may say, I never was in poverty. Well, thank God for you being set free from poverty. Because if you look around, it doesn't take a whole long ways to find somebody, even in this community, that's living in poverty. Somebody that's not been set free from that yet. And there's freedom in that. How many of you are thankful this morning God set you free of addiction? Whether it was drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it was, God has set you free. And that should be, that should be our battle cry. John 8, 36 says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. It doesn't say if he sets you free, you might can keep it for a little while. 
you know, throughout our history, throughout the world history, there's been uh, countries have been set free and they've lost their freedom. Even God's chosen people, the Hebrews, have lost their freedom and been made slaves and been taken captive. America has no guarantee that we'll not lose our freedom. Well, I pray that that day never comes. But America could be underneath some other. We could lose our freedom as America. But the Bible says, whoever the Son sets free will be free. And there is no going back to bondage on sin. There is no going back to that. Now, I'm not saying you can't go back in sin, but I'm saying when the Son sets you free, the Son has made you free and there's freedom forever. Jesus has given us freedom. But I want to tell you this morning, there's one who wishes to take our freedom from us. Make no doubt in your mind that the enemy, that Satan wants to come and he wants to take that freedom. He wants to take those things that I listed a while ago from you. God healed me. God set me free from COVID. God took me out of the hospital. I was on my deathbed. God healed me. There's no doubt in my mind that God breathed life into me that night when there was no breath coming out. That's my testimony. But Satan wants to take that away from me. You have your own story. God healed you. God set you free from addiction. Man, you may have been in the, in the gutter of alcoholism. You may be in drug addiction. You may, be, you may have lost your entire family because of gambling and, 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 and whatever it is, but God has set you free. And I want to tell you, you can stand and proclaim that, but I want you to know that, G, that Satan wants to come and he wants to take that from you. In John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his purpose. He doesn't give any other purpose for him. Jesus said Satan is here to steal, to kill, and destroy, and take what you've been given, to take what God has given you, to take your freedom. That's his sole purpose here on earth. And Jesus finished that line. I can't, I can't read that without finishing the rest of it. Jesus said, but I have come that you may have life and not just life. Uh, Mark Lowry describes it. He says, Jesus said, I come not to just give you life, but to give you life more abundantly. Which, which he says also means there's really high highs, but there's also some lows. But the thing about it is, as long as you're in Jesus, that life is more abundant. And he says, Jesus came to give you life. He came to give you freedom. And I want to share with you just for a few moments this morning, if we don't protect our freedom, if we don't guard our freedom, the enemy will come and he'll steal it from us. He'll take it from us. And then we'll find ourselves back in the same situation we were before, wondering what happened. I was on that high and everything was great and all of a sudden I find myself back where I was before is because we've allowed the enemy to come in and steal it from us. And so this morning I've got a couple ways and I'm going to try to be hurry. Somebody told me we had to get out here early this morning. I said, I don't think so. We're not, we're not in church tonight. I asked pastor, I could preach Sunday night morning, Sunday night. He said, no, the cookout Sunday night. I said, well, I'm just preach twice as long as Sunday morning. But I'm not, so... But this morning, I have a couple ways that we need to protect our freedom. And the first way we need to protect our freedom is we need to build a wall around it. I mean, that seems pretty simple. But I've talked to so many people that have been up and they've had everything and they've been living in their freedom from, you know, I've told you guys, uh, I've, I didn't grow up in the oil field area. We grew up in timber, but since I've been in ministry, every church seems like we've been at has been oil field uh, workers. And, and, you know, and so I've had so many guys that come in and, and they're, they're on the high, they're making good money, they're working, the oil is booming and things are going great. And then the bottom falls out of it and the price of oil drops and they get laid off and they've, they've bought these big houses and these big trucks and all the, the stuff that they want. And all of a sudden they can't make their payments on it. And I've looked at them and I said, would, you know, you prepare for that time, but 
but they didn't build a wall around it to protect what they had, and they've lost it. And, and that, that's, that's hard, because when, we, when things are going good, we want to celebrate. We want to be living good. But then if we don't build a wall to protect what we have, and sometimes that wall in that situation, I had talked with one guy, I said, that's a financial wall. You need to make sure that you have a backup in case this, the income quits, a way to supply those needs that you've built. We have to build a wall. We have to protect what we have. And I know that seems so simple. Yeah, build a wall. But so many times we fail and we lose our freedom. We lose what the Lord has given us simply because we don't have any way to protect it. The enemy can walk right in and steal it from us. And so this morning we'll talk about this. In the book of Nehemiah, I made a note Oh my! when I was writing this out and I didn't put it in here, but I thought it was funny. If you want your kid to be a prophet, you need to name them, put the last three letters of their name, I-A-H. Nehemiah, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Hezekiah. I had them written on my other notes. I didn't put it in here. There's more. Well, I thought that was funny. And Nehemiah... Listen, Isaiah, but it's technically Isaiah because it's spelt the same. I don't know why they pronounce that one different, but, but they all have the I-A-H at the end. Now listen, Haggai was a close, he didn't quite make it. He had the A-I, but not the H. And so I thought that was funny. I think sometimes when we read the Bible, we, we get so serious, we miss out on some things. And I, but Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, we find that the Jews were still under captivity under Persian rule. Remember Daniel and the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all that stuff? Uh, they, that's because I do kids. Abednego. Some of you guys didn't. Y'all missed that. Anyway, the kids would have caught that. To bed we go. Okay, anyway, let's move on. Sometimes jokes just go out and they just, right there. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the rest of them were captive from Jerusalem and from Israel, and they were taken to Babylon, and then later Babylon was conquered by Persians, and now it's under Persian rule, and Nehemiah has found himself as the cupbearer to the Persian king, and he gets reports that some of the Jews are being allowed to go back and live in Jerusalem again. And that's great. They're receiving not full freedom, but enough freedom they can go home and live. And so, but Nehemiah hears word back from them. They say that the walls of Jerusalem are no longer. They've been destroyed. They've been burned. They're not there anymore. And there's nothing to protect us. We're setting up trying to reestablish our city. And the enemies are coming in. The surrounding uh, tribes and villages and, and nations are coming in and attacking. And there's no way to protect them because they didn't have a wall. And I want to tell you this morning that, that if you don't build a wall to protect what God has given you, the enemy is going to be able to walk right in and attack you. Yeah. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 17, it says, Then I said to them, You see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lies in waste, and its gates are burned with fire. And he says, Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer be a reproach. You see, Nehemiah knew the importance of keeping out those who didn't need to be in, those who were going to cause harm, those who would come to destroy and to take away what they had been given. And he said, we need to build a wall. He had a solution. Now, I don't know what the others or why they didn't think about rebuilding the wall. I mean, they were living there. Nehemiah was still at the king. He was still the king's cupbearer. He didn't have permission to go to Jerusalem. He was still uh, over there. And so I don't know why those that were in Jerusalem didn't say, hey, let's build a wall. Let's put some rocks together. But for some reason they didn't. And so Nehemiah asked the king and with the king's permission, he was allowed to go to Jerusalem with the purpose of building the wall. Now, let me tell you something. That right there is a miracle. Because here the king of Persia, he is, first of all, he didn't have authority to talk to the king about this. 
The Bible says that because Nehemiah was sad and distressed about what was happening in Jerusalem, he came in to do his duties as the king's cupbearer, and the king could have easily had him put to death because he didn't come in with a smile. But the Bible says that he was sad and his countenance was down. Let me tell you, sometimes we get depressed and sometimes, you know, God looks at us and he says, why are you depressed? But the king looked at him and he said, what is going on with you? Why are you this way? And, and, and the Holy Spirit of God enabled Nehemiah to speak something that he probably would have never been able to say and spared his life. Sometimes we need a boldness from the Holy Spirit to speak things into existence, to speak things into our lives, to speak some freedom into our lives and quit sitting there being so stressed and worry about it. But he told the king, he says, I'm saddened because I hear reports from my, my, my hometown where my ancestors are buried that, that the walls have been destroyed and they can't protect the city. And the king said, well, okay, what do you want to do? And he says, I would like with your permission to travel there. That was pretty bold of Nehemiah. And the king said, how long are you going to be gone? And he told him a time. And he said, all right, I grant you permission. This is where Nehemiah got really bold. Then he looked at the king, and you can read this in the book of Nehemiah. He said, not only do I want you to allow me to go, I want you to send some guards with me, and I want you to send some wood with me. Now, the king could perceive this as, we want to fortify our city so we can resist against you, we can rebel against you and take our country back. But I believe the Holy Spirit of God was there, and I believe he moved on that king, and that king said, go and do it. Do as you please. And when you're done, you got to come back. He said, I don't want you to be gone forever. He said, go and do as you please. And so Nehemiah left and under the king's guard, traveled through the countryside to Jerusalem and even had some of the king's wood, the king's timber, and began to rebuild the wall. Okay. But my question was, why didn't the others do it? Maybe they didn't know how. Maybe they didn't understand it. Maybe, and this is what I think, maybe they were too lazy. Maybe they had thought, well, we got what we want. We don't want to worry about the wall. We, I got my little, I could protect my home, my house. They were too lazy. And I think today sometimes Christians are too lazy to start building a wall to protect what God has given them. But I want to share with you this morning, I want you to understand this. Sometimes we think, well, I go to church. I put in the offering plate. I should be good. But I believe there's more to it because I want to tell you something. The enemy's not coming on Sunday morning. He's not just showing up to church on Sunday morning. He's not showing up every now and then on Sunday night. He's not just coming on Wednesday night when it's nice. The enemy is working 24 hours every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and he will never, never stop. Now, I'm not saying you have to be in church 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because I don't want to be here all that time. i got stuff i got to do at home, too. But if we don't watch out, the enemy is going to come. And the Bible says he can come like a thief in the night. He'll come when you're least expecting it. And I don't think we should be caught too lazy to build a wall to guard what God has given us, to guard the blessings, to guard the, the miracles and, and the healing and the freedom that Jesus has given us. And I think so many times we get to where we're just, we're so complacent with where we are, we don't worry about it. And then the enemy comes in and he steals. See, we can, we can have all the excuses in the book for not building a wall. We can have all the reasons of why we're not working extra, why, why we can't put in more effort 
to building that wall. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me stop for a second. When I say building a wall, I'm talking about things that you're doing to protect what you have as a Christian. Things that you're doing to guard your heart. Things that you're doing, that, things like reading the Bible. Things like praying to God. Things like spending time in God's house, whether it's this house or somewhere else. I, I, I don't, you know, this is a lovely, we have a wonderful church here. But there's revival services going on at different places that you can also be a part of to help build that wall. There's things on TV, and, and I caution you when you watch television or you watch online, make sure you check the resources, check the source of where that's coming from. Make sure it's good, because there are so many. In the last days, there'll be false teachers and doctrines, and there's a lot of it out there today. Make sure that you have, but there's other ways than just being in this church house. I encourage you to be in this church house, but there's more ways than that. But sometimes we just don't put in the effort for it. And I think that's probably what was happening. And because of that, when the enemies was coming to Jerusalem, they were being attacked. They were being robbed. They were being taken advantage of because they simply didn't build a wall. Now, listen, Nehemiah didn't build that wall by himself. If you read Nehemiah chapter 3, and I'm not going to read it to you, but it lists each of the people who worked on that wall. And if you read it, it'll tell you that this person built the section in front of their house. And then this section built the, uh, this person built the section in front of their house. And then their neighbor worked on, and as it went around the city, as they had their section and their part, maybe there was a section didn't have somebody. It talks about they went and filled in this gap. But they worked on the section that they were working on. They didn't do it just one person. But why didn't they do it before? It takes many people to build a wall sometimes. It takes help from others. And listen, they received opposition from, if you read the whole book of Nehemiah, it's an interesting story. They not only, they, obviously the enemies that were attacking them didn't like that they were building a wall. They began to spread rumors. They began to say, Nehemiah has come to, to seek rebellion against the, the empire. They began to attack them. They began to do things to them. Even at one point, he had to talk to his own people because his own people was taking advantage of other people. And he said, how can we stand together as a nation and build a wall when you're, you're, you're cheating each other? You're selling each other's kids a slave. And so it's an interesting story, but they received a lot of opposition. I wonder how many people living in the city said, we don't need a wall. I don't want a wall. Listen, I can't talk about wall and not mention this. I know pastor's not here, but you know, we had a president that said we need to build a wall to protect us from neighbors who don't need to be here, to protect us from those who would come in and harm us. And you would think that everybody would say yes, but you guys know the story. We, it, it's not there. Matter of fact, some of it's been destroyed. Why would these people in Jerusalem be opposed to building the wall that would protect them and keep them safe from the people that wanted to harm them? It's interesting. Why do we not build a wall to protect what God has done for us? It's interesting. Listen, when I was a kid, people prayed this, this prayer. And I heard my mom say this many, 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 many times when I was a kid. She says, I pray a hedge of protection around my home. She would pray a hedge of protection around her kids, her family. She would pray a hedge of protection around her vehicle. I mean, we'd get in a car and we'd go to the store or something and she'd pray a hedge of protection. Uh, listen, we don't go on a trip like we did last week without praying that God protects us. I remember my pastor as a kid going to kids church would have us pray that God would protect us. We, we used to hear that a lot. We don't hear it so much anymore, but that comes from the book of Job. In Job chapter 1, verse 8 through 10, the beginning of the whole story of Job, it says, Then the Lord said to Satan, Satan had been walking the earth and just checking things out. And in verse 8, it says, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? He says, there is none like him in all the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Man, wouldn't it have been nice to have been Job? Yeah. 
not because of what he had, but because God said, have you looked at John? What if God looked at you and said, have you looked at my servant? They're blameless. They're upright. They fear God and they shun evil. Man, how powerful would that speak that God said that of you? I think that's our, that, that is our goal in life, to have God speak that highly of us. But in verse 9, Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Listen, he said, have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Satan looked at God and he said, how can Job fail? You have a hedge of protection around him and I can't get to him. Man. I plead, I, I pray a hedge of protection around myself, my family, my, God, my, my church, my job, everything that I have because I want Satan to go to God and say, I can't touch that man because there's a hedge of protection that you've put around him because you've built a wall around him and he, I can't get to him. Man, how powerful would that be? That's what I want around us. I want a, a hedge that Satan can't get to. You need to pray a hedge around your home. Man, that's home is where the heart is. We need to be praying, God, put a hedge of protection around my home. God, I plead the blood of Jesus on my house. I, blood, I plead the blood of Jesus on my family. I plead the, blood of, plead the blood of Jesus on my dogs. Man, we used to pray that when I was a kid too. We'd plead the blood of Jesus. Man, we need, to, we need to get back to that. We need to get to that point where we say, God, put a hedge of protection around me so that when Satan comes, he can't even get near me. God, you've given me this freedom. You've given me a healing. You've given me, you've delivered me from all these things. God put a hedge of protection around it so Satan can't take it back because he's wanting to, he's trying to. Nehemiah understood how important it was to keep the enemy out. And in order to do that, he had to build the wall because without the wall, the enemy could just come and go. And in Nehemiah chapter six, verse 15, it says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elul in 52 days. I couldn't build a fence around my property in 52 days. Some of you could. Some of you are good at building fences. But man, I'm, I'm not good at building fences. But in 52 days, the wall was completed. And it says in verse 16, And it happened when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived this work was done by our God. See, they had to put the work in, but the enemy said, God has blessed them. God has protected them. Just like Satan said, God has put a hedge around them and we can't attack them anymore. God has protected them with his hedge and, and I can't steal what God has given them. And we need to build a wall. The second thing we need to do this morning, and this is even simpler than the first one. We need to close the door. See, it doesn't do any good to build a wall if you leave the door open. Now, this is something that's very familiar to my mouth because I say it all the time because I have a bunch of kids at my house and they don't believe in shutting the doors. <laughs> I want to get those cabinet doors that have springs on them so when you open it, it just slams shut. You got like, you got 2.3 seconds to get something because when you open it, it's coming back and you got to get it. Because I can't tell you how many times, I can tell you it's every time I walk through the house. I shut a door here, I shut a door here, I shut the back door because the dog's sitting there, can I come in, you know? And, and I mean, it, 
I'm constantly saying, shut the door. The kids come in the back door, shut the door. I've turned into my dad. I'm not trying to call the whole neighborhood. Hey, man. See, I didn't have to pay that bill when I was a kid. And, and when I was a kid, I didn't care if it was hot in the house. You know, I ran in and out all the time. And now I'm like, man, it's, I got it down to about 68 degrees where I want it. And some kid comes in, leaves the door open for 10 minutes, and it's 95 again, and I'm sweating. Close the door. I say it every day at the house. Close the door. Nehemiah chapter 7, verses 1 through 3 says, Then it was when the wall was built, and I hung the doors. When the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, that I gave the charge of Jerusalem to my brother Hanani and my and Hananiah, the leader of the citadel, for he was a faithful man and feared God uh, more than many. And I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they stand guard, let them shut and bar the doors and appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, one at his watch station and another in front of his own house. See, it wasn't enough just to build the wall. Nehemiah knew that he had to put doors and gates up. And when they had the doors and gates, he said, shut them. Don't leave them open. Certain times of day, you can open them for travelers and whatnot. But leave them shut. Not only shut them, but bar the doors and stand guard behind the doors. Man, that's a lot. Don't, it's one thing to build a wall, but man, he said, lock the door, double lock it, and guard it. Man, why do we have to do that? Because the enemy, because Satan is trying every single thing he can try to steal what God has given you. How do I know that? Look around. Look at the empty spots in these pews. Look at the people that you know have been in church, that have been on fire for God, that have been living for God, and now they're not. Look in your own families and see kids and grandkids and cousins and parents and whoever that at one time was living for the Lord and now they're not. Man, that's reason enough. I want all my kids to live for the Lord. I want to shut my door and lock it and bar it and not let the kids out, but I can't. Sometimes I want to lock it to keep them from coming in. That's a different kind of door. But man, why do we shut the door and guard it? Because we don't want the enemy to come in and take those things that are so precious to us. And through history, we've seen that happen time and time again. And then we have to fight so hard to get it back. When if we just shut the door and we guard it and we work on it. I worked with a man one time, uh, had a job at a mill. And he told he me one day and he said, man, I was robbed last night. And, and somebody said, what do you mean? He said, well, they come in, took my TV and this and this and named off a bunch of stuff they stole. And they said, oh, how did they get in? He said, well, I fell asleep on the couch when my front door was open. And we laughed at him. And he lived, in a, he lived in an apartment building. And we kind of said, well, that was not very smart. Why did you leave the... He just fell asleep. Letting, he was letting some fresh air in. But with the door standing wide open, the enemy can come and go as he pleases. Nehemiah said, shut the doors, bar them, stand guard over them. How many of you remember the old song, shut the door, keep the devil in the night? I didn't say it right. Shut the door, keep the devil in the night. That's right. Skills. What is it? Y'all remember that song? I actually listened to it this morning. I, I was playing it at home this morning, just kind of, kind of jamming to it a little bit. It says, light a candle, everything's going to be all right. Shut the door. Don't let the devil in. 
Last week we were in Arizona and we, we, we're, we're those weird people that like to go look at weird stuff. You know, we don't, I love the beach and Disney World, but you know, that gets old after a while. And so we went out to Arizona and we said, let's go look at some cliff dwellings. You know, some really old houses that, you know, nobody can live in anymore. And so we went and we found some and uh, we went to one and it was way up high in the cliffs. And, and we was reading why they did that. And they said, because uh, when, when the enemy would come, they could pull up the ropes and the ladders and they couldn't get to them. And then they could just throw rocks at them or sticks or whatever they had. And they would throw them down at them and, and they couldn't take them. And then we went and looked at another place was a was an old Pueblo building and it was nothing but ruins now but it was hundreds and hundreds of years old and they said that excuse me it was built up on a hill and 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 there was many rooms in it and it said at one time there was over 100 rooms in this building and 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 they were small rooms you know there wasn't room for a TV and a, a lazy boy in each room there was it was just basically I guess their little hut on the floor but there was many rooms and 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 I got to looking and I said most of these rooms don't have doors how do they get in and out of them? And, and, and to get into the actual ruins, there was only one or two entrances. And they said that's how they protected. If there was doors on everything that they could get in, there was like small windows or something they'd crawl through to get into each of those rooms. They said they can protect that easier than a big wide open door. And I said, it makes sense. And so closing the door has been something been around for a long time. See, too many times Christians today are allowing Satan to come in and steal because they simply don't close the door. Proverbs 4.23 says this, it says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We leave the door open to our heart. Now, this is not a Valentine's message, but same thing. We open our heart up to anybody that comes along, we're going to get hurt. We're going to get burned. Everything the enemy sends along. Now, listen, I, I'm not a real smart man, and I'm not super tech savvy, but I know there's enough technology out there right now that you can pull up on your cell phone that the enemy can come through and attack you, that you have to guard your heart because your heart determines the course of your life. And if you allow your heart to be taken by the enemy, it'll determine the course of your life. I wrote down three doors that you need to guard that the enemy will try to come through if you allow. The first one is entertainment, TVs, television shows. We, we don't see those so much anymore. Most people, I mean, we talk about television shows we don't have like we used to have. Now it's all streaming. I remember the day when you had to wait a whole week to see the next 30 minutes of that episode. Now you can see it. You stay up all night and watch a whole season, which is probably even worse. Gone are the days of Father's Knows Best and Leave it to Beaver and Andy Griffith and those, those, those somewhat wholesome shows that taught values. Now they're, you know, if you can find a TV show that's a new show that doesn't put dad as an idiot... I'm going on a sidebar here, but I'm telling you, so many of these TV shows, dad is an absolute idiot. And we wonder why our homes are seeing less and less fathers in them and seeing our kids disrespect their elders and disrespect, not listen to their parents. And they're watching TV. We, we, not, not to get, we are watching TV shows where dad's an idiot. I know Bill Cosby has had his problems, but in his show, he was the father and he ruled that he, 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 the kids didn't dispute. He would go with them and he would deal with them and these, all these shows like that. But anymore, dad's an idiot and mom's either drunk or stupid. The kids run the house anymore. And let me tell you something, if we don't close the door to that and we allow that to come in our house, and it's not just adult television, it's kid television too, because all these cartoons is the same thing. Dad's parents, I know it's for kids, but... When dad comes home and he's an idiot and the kids can trick him and, 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 and can do things without him 
Why do we expect our kids to act any different? We need to close that door. And if you're an adult watching television, now this is where it gets sensitive. Not you know, The kids part was one thing, but man, well, I don't talk about my television because, man, if it's got homosexuality in it, if it's got alcohol, drunk, sleeping with everybody and their dog, and you're opening that door in your house, you're allowing the enemy to come into your house. If it's a, t maybe it's not a TV show, maybe it's movies. And I've been to some church going Christian believers homes and seen their stack of DVDs and in order to pull some, pour some olive oil on them and burn them, <laughs> anoint them and burn them. Where if that don't work, pour some diesel on them, anoint them with diesel. But I'm telling you, when you leave, when you allow these things in your house, you're opening up the door for the enemy to come in. And it's hard to hear and it's hard, you know, I, I get so frustrated because about the only thing I watch on TV is sports and I watch football and I see them, you know, the cheerleaders are naked and, and the, apparently the singers, y'all remember the, the, the wardrobe malfunctions that we, you can't, I mean, nothing. And now, you know, every sports team is gay pride. It's getting where, I mean, if you don't go to a live game, even if you go to a live game, you still see it. But we leave those doors open. We open up those doors through our television, through the movies that we watch, through um, the music that we listen to. Yeah. I was talking about remembering the day. How many of y'all remember the day when we used to bring cassette tapes and we'd snap them suckers in half and throw them on the altar? Mom, mm -hmm. I lost an ACDC CD tape like that one time. Mama didn't even know I had it. My brother told on me. <laughs> then the church had it, and I said, well, the preacher will be listening to it now. So they snapped that sucker in half and pulled the ribbon out of it. We can't do that now because all of our songs are on our phones. I don't even have my phone up here. I don't know where it's at. down there somewhere. Our music is on our phones, but you know what? We talk on that phone. We do stuff on that phone, and if it's got that stuff on it, you're opening up the door. We've got to keep those doors closed. That's one area that we have got to be careful about because... We open up the door, the enemy's going to come in. Man, it becomes a swinging door. When I was a kid, our kitchen had a swinging door on it. And I loved waiting behind it for somebody to come by and I'd smack them. But you know, the enemy's waiting behind that door, just waiting for you to let your guard down so he can kick that door open and come running in and begin to steal what God has taken from you. And what amazes me is we sit there and we question, well, why, why, why? I, you know, I had a good experience in church, and three days later, man, I feel like I'm broke down again. That swinging door. We've got to bolt that door. Can't let the enemy in. What God gives us in church, what God gives us at camp, and I preach this all the time to our team, you can't go to camp and stand down there and act like you're holy, holy, and two weeks, or three days later, be lying to your parents. That swinging door, you've got to shut that door. And I tell the kids that you cannot allow the devil to come and steal what God gives you by letting all this garbage in. You let the door open. We've got to close that door. The second door that I want to tell you about is similar to that. It's social media. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't get on that social media. You know, I don't get into that FaceTube and, and uh, you know, uh, Tic Tacs and uh, what's the other one? Um, Snapchat. I don't do all that, or I just do it for the fun of it. But you know what I tell the kids? I said, be careful. You may be doing it as an innocent thing, but somebody out there is not. And you'll see it before you want to. Because all it takes is that long, and it's in your brain. And if it's in your brain, it goes to your heart. And you're supposed to guard your heart. And so we don't, even, we don't allow our kids to have that stuff until they're grown, and hopefully they can make their right choices about that. 
But the thing about it is, you, you have to be careful about that. Social media, I, I feel like, has become the new gossip rag. We talk about our, our moms and grandmas about going down to the, the, the hair salon and getting their hair done so they can find out about what's going on in town. Hear the gossip. We don't need that now. We can look on Facebook. I mean, we can look on social media. What? Oh, well, somebody posted this. Wonder what they're into. Wonder what's going on with them. Well, let me text somebody else. and we'll, we'll, We won't go to them. We'll go around them and find out everything we can about them to see what's going on. I heard so-and-so. They put a post on Facebook. They said they, you know, they, they was looking at a car. Did the car break down? Well, well you know, so-and-so talked to this woman. And is, are they doing something? I mean, we get, we get so tied up into this. And we allow that door to be, it may be innocent at first. I just want to see what my kids are looking at. I just want to see, you know, what's trendy. I just want to, I want to see something funny. But let, we open that door up and guess what? The enemy then comes in. I'm not saying all social media is bad. But there's ways to protect against the harmful stuff. There's ways to keep that door shut. And I allowed, if, the, if our worship team would come make their way up here. Social media is a big thing because even the churches, we use social media today. We're streaming right now. And it's a good way to reach people, but it can also be harmful. Like I said, it's a swinging door. And if we're not careful, we allow it to swing and allow stuff in as much as we're putting out. And so we have to be careful with that. Social media is, is becoming, and, and you know, a lot of us, a lot of you are my age or older, don't get into social media as much. But those that are younger than me, in the next 20 years, that's going to be a big thing. That's where, that's where we're heading. And, and these kids think they're so smart because they have this stuff. And I'm like, I was there when Al Gore invented the Internet. <laughs> or at least he claimed he did. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I was there before the Internet. I was there when it, how do you think you know so much about this one? I was there when they invented the cell phone. You know, I had this big thing that carried. Yeah, I had a bag phone in my car. It didn't do nothing but call. But social media is, is an area that we've got to, as a church especially, begin to recognize the dangers of. Like I said, we'd bring those, you know, if you had ACDC or Metallica or some of those tapes when you, back when I was a kid, we'd have to bring them and break them because the, the devil was coming through that. The church needs to become more aware of social media and the dangers that are there and begin to say we need to protect against it. We need to protect our children against it and, and, our, and our kids against it. And we need to inform them and inform parents about it so they know the dangers. Because I'm telling you, this stuff is changing so fast that before we know it, it's there. And before we know it, we've kicked the door wide open in social media. The third thing, and I'm going to try to close with this. The third area that we need, the third door that we need to make sure we're not allowing the enemy to come through is our personal influences. This is where it gets a little bit harder. Because, you know, I can stop, I can turn off my TV. I can quit renting or watching movies. I can, I can shut down Facebook or whatever it is. I can close that stuff down and I can get rid of it. But sometimes our personal influences are the worst. The biggest area that the enemy comes in. Who you let, choose, who you let close to you and how they can harm you. See, I talked about Job just a minute ago, how God put a hedge of protection when God removed that hedge of protection, there was his personal influence, his personal friends, even his wife was able to come to him. And you would think that his wife, I heard a comedian the other day said that, that Satan was like, I'll take his kids, I'll take his, his money, I'll take his land, I'll take his crop, his livestock, I'll take his, you know, his harvest, I'll take all this stuff. And, and one of the demons said, what about his wife? He said, nah, we'll leave her. She ain't going to be no good for him. 
his own wife was the one that influenced him the most that tried to say, that told him curse God and die. His friends that came, why are you doing this? Why are you staying faithful to God? Sometimes our person, those closest to us, our personal influences are the ones that can harm us the most. Sometimes we got to shut some doors. And this is what I tell the teenagers, those kids you was in kindergarten with and elementary school with, they're not the same as they were. We make friendships back then based on who can run the fastest. That's all changed when they get in middle school and high school. Because now those kids you've been friends with, that you've been best friends and you've grown up with, now they're starting to experiment with drugs and alcohol and sex and, and even now gay homosexuality. And I tell them, you're going to have to shut those doors. You're going to have to lock that door because if you continue to allow that, then the enemy's going to come in through that. And that's hard sometimes. And I've known families get destroyed because of this. But I'm telling you, it's, sometimes it's even the closest one to you. I, I, I tell the story of a, a teenage girl that was in her youth group one time that came home from church camp. And her, she didn't, her family didn't go to church. She came on her own. Matter of fact, we went and picked her up a lot of times. And she came home from church camp. This girl was in high school and her mom threw all her clothes in the tub. And she looked at her and she said, you think you're better than me because you went to camp. And she poured bleach on all this girl's clothes. And there was other times she would say she'd come home from church and this woman would slap her when she got in the door. Her mom, the closest one to her, should have been her biggest ally, her biggest supporter. But I'm also proud to say that because of that young girl, her mom came to church and got saved. But sometimes those personal influences, those best friends, those people that are closest to us, sometimes they're, they're a doorway that the enemy can come through. And I know many of you have stories that, that are like that, that you know of someone that you've allowed into your life, you've allowed someone to get closest to you and, and, and to be a part of your life, and they've led you down a path that wasn't right. And we've got to recognize that, and we've got to shut that door, and we've got to guard that door. This morning, I'd, I'm going to close with this question. How important is your freedom to you? I hear all the time in America, we're going to fight for our freedom. If the, right, the wrong president starts doing this, we'll rebel against him. I see that all the time. And there's a call. I mean, there, there's, there's people out there right now ready to go to war against the government because of their, you take my guns, come and get them. I'll give them to you one bullet at a time. You're not going to take my freedoms away from me. I see that all the time. I hear people talk about that. You're not taking my freedoms. You're not taking my liberties. You're not As a Christian, how important are your freedoms? How important is what God has given you? Is it important enough to fight for? Is it important enough to build a wall? Is it important enough to get rid of some relationships and maybe some things that you enjoy doing and say, we, well, I'm not gonna do that anymore. We don't have cassette tapes anymore. We can't have a, or a CD snapping or a record breaking or eight tracks, I don't know, you know. We, <laughs> that's a long ways back there. But maybe it's time you just hit delete a few times on your phone, delete on that TV streaming service. Maybe it's time we say, I'm no longer allowing the enemy to come and to steal what God has given me. And you know what the, the, the cool thing about God is? We learn this through the story of the prodigal son. God never says, that's enough. I've had enough. You're done. God never says, you keep messing up over and over and over again. I'm done with you. I'm tired of giving you a second. I've given you 150 chances. I'm done. God never says that. Matter of fact, when they asked Jesus, how many times do we forgive? Was it seven? And then he, they said seven, and he said 70 times seven. I'm not good at math, but that's a lot. God never says it's too late. 
You can come right now and you can say, God, forgive me of the sin. God, I want to build a wall and I want to protect what you've given me. I want to protect my family, my home. I want to close the door and not allow anything. God, prepare a hedge around my family that the enemy cannot come in and attack. And when Satan says, oh no, I've got to do something different because they've built a wall and I can't get through. They're guarding the gate and I can't get through. How important is our kids? How important is our family? How important is our healing? How important is our freedom to us? Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you, first of all, for my freedom as an American, God, that I can stand in this building on this land and this property, God, and I can proclaim your word, that I can proclaim that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers. God, and it's because I have that right and that freedom as an American. But God, even more important than that, I thank you for the freedom that you gave me as a believer. I'm free from sin. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer in bondage to the devil and to the things of that nature and that life. God, but you've delivered me from that. You freed me from that. And God, you freed me from, from sickness. God, you freed me from poverty. You freed me from all these things and your promises and your word are true. God, and you've promised to give me everything you know the promises you've given me and you stand on them. You're faithful to that. But God, this morning, sometimes we, we allow the enemy to come in. And God, I pray right now as you begin, we begin to search our hearts, God, that you would begin to show us areas that we need to build a wall. Show us doors that we need to begin to close in our life to protect what you've given us, to protect us against the attacks from the enemy. God, I know you will because you're faithful. God, you're so faithful. Even when we're not, you're faithful, God. You've never not been faithful. David said, I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. God, and I'm so thankful that I've never been forsaken and I've never will have experienced the time that you weren't there for me. And we love you, God. If you're here this morning, you say, I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to know Jesus as my Savior. Maybe you have known him before as your Savior, but you need to say, I, I, today I need that relationship with Jesus. For whatever reason, I'm not living right, and I need to get right. I need to be right. I need to know Jesus as my Savior. If you just lift your hand, I just want to pray for you this morning. You just lift up your hand real quick. Put it right back down. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody stand with me this morning, if you would. They're just going to continue to play. And this morning, maybe God has shown you some areas of your life that you need to build a wall, maybe a door that you're allowing the enemy to come in. And you'd say, I need to shut that door. I need to protect that because I don't want the enemy to come and steal what God's given to me. Man, God has given us some beautiful people here. God has given us some beautiful families, beautiful homes, beautiful job. God has provided. And if you need God to provide, man, come talk to us. We'd love to pray that God will provide what you need. But God has given us so much. And I'm telling you right now, the enemy wants to take it right now. And he'll take everything you can. And maybe this morning, the Lord has kind of opened your eyes and shown you an area that you need to close, that you need to guard. Why don't we spend the next few moments, you can make our way to the altar, you pray at your chair, but let's spend the next few moments praying, God, prepare a hedge around this area. God, help this door to be shut and barred and locked and guarded. God, help me to guard this better so the enemy can't come in. Let's close out our service this morning, praying that prayer this morning. I'm sure there's some area of your life you can think of, God, protect this. God, protect it, put a hedge of protection. God, I plead the blood of Jesus 
to protect it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Just lift your eyes to heaven, there is freedom. Just lift your eyes to heaven, there is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. Sing that again. Freedom reigns in this place like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. If you're tired, if you're tired and you are thirsty, there is freedom. If you're tired and you are thirsty, there is freedom. Just give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Just give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. If you're tired and you are thirsty, there is freedom. If you're tired and you are thirsty, there is freedom. Just give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Just give your all to Jesus. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. Freedom reigns in this place. Like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face, there is freedom. Let the bell down, let the praise go up. Let the bell down, let the praise go up. 
let the bell down. We're in the presence of the Lord. Let the bell down, let the praise go up. Let the bell down, let the praise go up. Let the bell down, we're in the presence of the Lord. Freedom reigns in this place like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There is freedom. Sing it one more time. Freedom reigns in this place. Like showers of mercy and grace falling on every face, there is freedom. There is freedom. Amen. There is freedom in Jesus. Amen. Man, I'm so thankful for my freedom. We're double blessed. We're doubly free. We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from an eternity in hell. We've been set free from judgment and condemnation. And we're also celebrate freedom in America. And that's what we're going to celebrate tonight. This morning we talked about our freedom in Christ and how to keep that. Tonight we're going we're gonna to stuff ourselves a little bit and close some arteries and stuff like that. But... But uh, hey, don't 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 miss out tonight. It's going to be a good time. We're going to have a fun time hanging out. Listen, these people here—they're some of the greatest people in the world. Amen. Why would you not want to hang out with them? Amen. All right, stand with me this morning. We're going to dismiss in prayer. Uh, we'll begin at six tonight. If you want to come a little bit early, uh, and also there's a sign-up sheet out there. If you see something on it that needs to be brought, uh, bring 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 whatever you need there, and uh, we'll have a good time tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your blessings. I thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have as Americans. Lord, I thank you for the freedoms that we have as a child of God. And God, I pray we not take that for granted, that we never take that for granted, either one of those. But Lord, we guard them and we protect them, Lord, that we remain free through your grace and your mercies, Lord. Lord, as we leave this place, I pray you keep us safe. Lord, bring us back tonight as we fellowship together and celebrate our freedom as Americans, Lord, and celebrate our freedoms as Christians, Lord, and the right to assemble together and, and celebrate that. Lord, we praise you. We love you. We give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.